Welcome to Inner Peace to Go, your source for practical, proven strategies to reduce stress and make life easier. I'm your host, Sandy Cohen, and I am so glad you're here. Let's dig in. Hey, welcome back to Inner Peace to Go. I'm Sandy Cohen. Thank you so much for tuning in. So my aim with this podcast is to offer a strategy or concept each week that you can try right away to feel less stress, more peace, and just a greater sense of ease in your life. Now, not every strategy will work for every person, but hopefully this podcast becomes like a smorgasbord of choices and things to experiment with. See if it works for you. Most everything I share is evidence-based. That means there's empirical science showing these things can make a positive difference in your well-being. Sometimes we'll dip a toe into ideas from the more spiritual side of things. Ideas that may not have scientific validation, but that have been practiced and passed down for thousands of years through ancient wisdom traditions. And what we're talking about today is somewhere between these realms of science and spirituality, as you'll see. So we're talking about self-concept. Who do you think you are? And if someone asks you that, you might say like your name, your age, your gender, where you're from, what you do professionally, the roles you play in your life and your family. You know, I'm a daughter, I'm a mom, I'm a sister, whatever sort of outward labels we normally associate with ourselves. But spiritual traditions say those are all just details. And that you're actually an infinite being temporarily disguised as a human being. You might have heard spiritual teachers say you're not a human being having a spiritual experience. You're a spiritual being having a human experience. I know I heard Wayne Dyer say that. And it sounds kind of far out for those of us who prefer dealing with scientific facts. But there is actually some science that applies here to this notion of being a spiritual being or at least having an innate spiritual component to our human selves. Research by Lisa Miller, who's a a psychologist actually at Columbia University, has found a spiritual center in the brain. And she has replicated this research many times. This is like, we can rely on this. She says we are literally wired. Our brains have the capacity to have transcendent experiences where we feel connected to something bigger than ourselves, whether that's nature or the history of all humankind or higher power like God or the universe, we have part of our brain that is designed for this function. This is what it's for. And she says a third of it is innate and two thirds of it is cultivated. So you could have this innate capacity and never cultivate it. And obviously it would be less strong in an individual like that and stronger in someone who actually cultivates this transcendent capacity, this innate capacity. But she says we are all built this way. This is part of the human brain. Her studies also find that those who activate this spiritual part of the brain, either through prayer or staring up at the stars, contemplating the mysteries of the universe, or through communing with nature or animals, whatever, like connecting to that bigger feeling, people who do that are less likely to have depression, or if they've already had depression, they're less likely to have it recur. So activating this spiritual part of our brain or or tapping into this spiritual part of our brain is protective against mental illness like depression. To me, that's huge. And anyone could do this. I mean, 
this is an innate capacity, again, that's developed to different degrees by different people. But her science looks at the brain and they can pinpoint like this is the area where it all happens. There have also been thousands of studies on mindfulness and the development of mindful awareness, which involves identifying with or becoming the witness of your thoughts and experiences rather than seeing yourself as the thinker or the experiencer. So mindfulness, you've heard of before. This is like a um, mindful meditation is a practice, mindfulness watching your breath, sort of mindfulness as it's involved in metacognition, like aware, aware that you're aware, right? So aware of your own thoughts, aware of your own feelings. Mindfulness is something that's been secularized. This doesn't have to be like any kind of spiritual thing. It's a practice. It's a cultivation of awareness. And studies show that when we do cultivate this awareness, this witness awareness, mindful awareness, it reduces stress and improves resilience. And this has been now covered by many, many studies, many dozens of studies, maybe thousands of studies. By identifying with this witness part of ourselves, we connect with a timeless aspect of ourselves, right? This is a witness that's been present whether or not we were aware of it since we were babies and all the way into our old age and our final days. This mindful awareness, awareness of what we're thinking, right? When I say mindful awareness, I mean that we are aware, like our awareness, <laughs> if you can see my hands, I'm holding like one hand is out here, like our awareness is out like bigger than us, right? Our awareness is aware that we're thinking this thing or we're stressed over this thing or we're sad about this thing, that we can have awareness of the awareness <laughs> that's aware of all that stuff. Does that make sense? That we can both have the thought or feeling and then have awareness of that thought or feeling. And the part that is awareness is the part that I'm saying that's timeless, right? Our awareness does not age. Our awareness does not go anywhere. It doesn't get caught up in our emotions. You can be aware like, oh, I'm having feelings of anger. But the part that's aware is not angry, right? It's just aware. Our awareness doesn't get caught up in our drama. It just is. And this is a presence that's not only accessible to us, but inextricable from us. Like whether or not we connect to it, it is there. Mindfulness is one of the ways to connect to it. And that's what's been practiced thousands of years in wisdom traditions like Hinduism and Buddhism and things like that. It was like cultivating this awareness, this, this knowledge of what, like a knowledge that's bigger than the thoughts and feelings that are happening. And I remember I read a description of this witness consciousness in the book called The Happiness Trap by Russ Harris. And the way he wrote about it, this steady presence, this calm wisdom, I thought this sounds like what a lot of people, like how they describe God. And it really struck me because I had been studying mindfulness and wisdom traditions a lot before I read that book this last year. But something about the way he described it made me, made me sort of think, oh, I wonder if that's what people mean when they talk about God. Now, and obviously I do not have the answer. <laughs> Sadly, this episode is not going to give you the answer about God. But it just really is interesting that both science and wisdom traditions talk about the mystery of consciousness and drawing on this consciousness to either 
manage stress and boost resilience or experience some kind of transcendence. And neuroscientists are looking for the origins of consciousness in the brain. Like this is the science here continues. Physicists can explain the origins of life, but not like the why of life, not the reason for life. And I actually asked, we have a physicist in my family, <laughs> my stepdad, and you know, and I love to ask him about science and like how far away are the stars and is the light that we see from the stars, are those stars already burnt out? You know, like all those kinds of questions. And I remember I asked him, why life? And he said, you know, we can describe what led to the origins of life, but we cannot, physics cannot answer the why of life. So consciousness is a mystery to scientists still, but connecting to and developing awareness of that universal consciousness is available to everyone. Anyone can do this. We can all practice mindfulness and that sort of what's called metacognition. I think we've talked about it here before, this awareness that we're thinking, awareness that we're feeling. We can develop that with practice. And again, that when we connect to that part of us, that consciousness, it has no age, no gender, no job, no familial roles, but it's also a part of you or you're a part of it. So it's pretty fascinating to think about. And one advantage of practicing seeing ourselves not as our labels, but as part of a greater consciousness is it's a place of empowerment and perspective and way less judgment. So when I identify with my labels, I have like instant criteria upon which to judge myself. So for instance, you know, I'm a podcaster and then I can instantly judge myself like, oh, but I only have this many downloads. I don't have as many as so-and-so, you know, I only have this many episodes and I know I'm defaulting to seeing it as negative, but I don't think I'm alone in that. You know, when we have labels, we can judge ourselves against others who share those labels, right? Like, um, I'm a writer and I love being a writer, but I also see, oh, well, you know, I'm not as good as this person or I'm not, uh, you haven't published as much as that person, and think about this, this happens all the time. I mean, if you're an athlete, oh yeah, you know, I play basketball, but I'm not as good as Kobe, I'm not as good as Michael Jordan. So one advantage of connecting to this broader concept of ourself is removing the opportunity for self-judgment. I mean, if I connect to the consciousness of myself, then my consciousness or awareness, you know, sees that I like to write or sees that I like to make a podcast. It sees it without identifying wholly with it, right? It's a part of me and not the whole of me. And it's interesting too, because when you think about it, at the level of consciousness, we are all equal. At the level of consciousness, this universal consciousness that we all share, this awareness, right? The awareness of everything else, we're all equal there. All people are equal there. We're all beings of life, right? Manifestations of life, expressions of life going through our journeys here on earth. It's not like Michael Jordan's consciousness is better than mine, you know, or yours. Like at, at the level of consciousness, we are equal there. And I think that's reassuring because this is a part of us. It's definitely there. That scientists have, uh, have studied and confirmed. 
consciousness exists. I mean, I mean, you don't even have to be a scientist to say that consciousness exists. You know that someone who is unconscious is not participating in life the same way someone who's conscious is. So we can choose to see ourselves as part of this consciousness. So when it's like, who do you think you are? I'm a part of consciousness. Now, I'm not saying that means you don't know your name and your age and all those other particulars, but I'm saying for the purposes of feeling more at ease, more peace, and less stress, we can choose to identify with consciousness. Now, obviously, seeing yourself as an expression of consciousness or identifying with consciousness doesn't make all your problems go away. I mean, you still have to go to work and pay your bills and deal with traffic and maybe come down with the flu or sprain your ankle, but it does give you a bigger, broader perspective on your experiences of those things. It allows you to take it less personally. I mean, your consciousness just is. Your consciousness doesn't have a sprained ankle. You're con- you can be conscious of your sprained ankle. So it's like a refuge that's available to us when we choose to identify with it. You know, when I was in college before I had studied any of this stuff, whenever I was like really stressed out or overwhelmed, I would go to the ocean. I live in Southern California, so it was easy to do relatively. And I would go to the ocean and the enormity of the ocean made my life and my problems feel small by comparison. And it strikes me that connecting to consciousness can provide a similar perspective without even having to get in the car. I mean, consciousness is big, right? It's bigger than me or it's the bigger part of me. And connecting to it can offer that bigger perspective on the challenges of my life. And tapping into this part of ourselves also lets us kind of touch the inherent magnificence as beings who are part of life, like living beings in this time and space who get to have all kinds of experiences. You know, we get to like eat pizza and fall in love and dance, swim, laugh, cry, touch the snow, feel sun on our skin, you know, pet our dog. All of this is possible with conscious, it's consciousness that allows us to experience this. And all of that goodness has nothing to do with your name or age or gender or occupation. So I have by no means mastered this. This is an idea that I find challenging but exciting. And it's come up again and again and again in my studies of happiness and well-being over the past 10 years. So recently I've been playing with a mantra or like a, a thought that I kind of float through my own mind of I'm an infinite being. So if I find myself stewing about something or if I realize I'm totally spaced out, I just float that thought. I'm an infinite being through my mind. I mean, it's not like it immediately connects me to consciousness, but it's kind of like a reminder that, that it's there and available for me to connect to. So this whole episode was actually inspired by a passage in the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, and so I want to read it to you. It's short. It says, Who the hell do you think you are? Funny you should ask. I'll tell you who I am. I'm a child of God just like anyone else. I'm a constituent of this universe. I have invisible spirit benefactors who believe in me and who labor alongside me. 
The fact that I am here at all is evidence that I have the right to be here. I have a right to my own voice and a right to my own vision. I have a right to collaborate with creativity because I myself am a product and consequence of creation. I am on a mission of artistic liberation. So let the girl go. So yeah, let yourself go. Let yourself know that you are, what does she say? A product and consequence of creation. That the fact that, that we are here at all is evidence that we have the right to be here. And that plane of consciousness connecting to that awareness is where that is. That is, that's a wise place. And a place of good perspective when we're dealing with the crap and stress of our lives. So this week, consider expanding your concept of who you think you are. And see if it makes stress easier to handle or peace more accessible. Please let me know how it goes. Like I am on this journey with you and I want to hear about your experiences. You know, you can drop me a line on Instagram. I'm at you know Sandy. You can email me through innerpeace2go.com. I will respond to every message. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you for having this conversation about consciousness with me. And I'm so grateful for our connection. So Please don't forget to subscribe if you don't want to miss an episode. And if you like the show, I hope you might consider telling a friend or sharing an episode with them. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week. Hey, if you want to keep the peaceful vibes going, get on my email list. I'd love to send you my free ebook, The Ultimate Stress Busters Guide, packed with actionable steps to bring on the chill. Plus, I'll send you more tips and inspiration every week. There's a link in the show notes and I'll see you in your inbox.